me at the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC, Royal Oaks, and for Doug McIntyre. Hope you all had a fabulous 4th of July. Seems like a nice, uh, mellow week, Rob Marinko. Sure, know, nothing low, going on. Yeah, low pressure. I mean, you know, all the big news stories on the Hillary front and so on. But I think it's nice, you know, people, a lot of folks just take the week off, you know. When the, oh, is that right? For the 4th oh. of July. Oh, and while I'm out there I'm on the, of the traffic. Yeah, the, uh, the freeways. Yeah. Uh, Nice and light. Not not quite, uh, you know, 1984 LA Olympics light, but... Uh, oh, wasn't that great? Oh, my gosh. We uh, we got to get the Olympics back. <laughs> yeah. We got back right now Jim Roop, our friend, a KABC reporter. How you doing, Jim? Uh, what's uh, What's been happening out, out there? Uh, I know you've been looking at the lottery issue, and uh, you got some advice for folks who uh, want to retire early? Yeah, I think your bumper music was <laughs> perfect. The blood, sweat, and tears go down gambling. Just don't play. Well, we well, have I'm, to give Randy Wang credit for that. I'm still looking. For my, uh, I'm still looking for the Powerball ticket that I bought back in January, and Gino. Well, if you if you decided if you decided uh, how long you're going to work if you win one of these, I wouldn't work an hour later. I, w- I mean, I'd be done. Are you kidding? So uh, you know, this this is amazing. This 1.6 billion. I, I know. I know we have this. This Mega Millions now at five hundred and eight million, I think, is what the next jackpot's going to be because no one won or no one got all six numbers. Yeah, back. there was a four hundred and fifty-four million uh, prize, and okay. nobody got it, right? It'll be more than a half a mil- half a, a billion, uh, half billion dollars, half a billion dollars. But this five hundred and twenty-eight or nearly five hundred twenty-nine million dollar ticket that is still out there from Chino, this Powerball ticket. Right is still having lottery officials scratching their heads because they're saying, look, most people take six weeks, six months to get their financial ducks in a row, get advice on how to handle the media, so on and so forth, then they come forward. We're at that six-month mark now. Well, I mean, is it really that surprising, though, because with all the millions of tickets that are sold, and there's all kinds of circumstances, you know, buy people buy something for a friend, uh, they might buy 10 or 15, do an office party or something. I, you know, some some people are obsessed with the lottery, and so they're really focusing and they're checking the numbers. But you got to figure every single uh, day that you have a lottery, there's just a huge number of tickets that you know they get lost and so on. So is it really that much of a shock, even though it's half a a, a billion dollars, that it's just going to be going wanting forever? No, well, it's, it's I mean it's happened before that lottery money has gone unclaimed. But you don't need to have possession of that ticket. It's tough uh, if you don't have the ticket to prove that you are the person who purchased it, but they do have a process for which, through which you can go, and there's questions you definitely have to answer. They do have a way of verifying either whether you have the ticket or not, that you were the per- person who purchased that ticket. It's not uh, you know, a white room with a bright light in your eye, but it's a pretty intense process. Yeah. So if you think you're the person that bought that ticket, I would give the lottery office a call. Yeah, but the thing is, so many people just don't pay attention to it because, let's be realistic here, okay, you're not going to win, okay? <laughs> they say the odds of winning the lottery are roughly the same whether you buy a ticket or not. They're, they're really uh, incredible odds. It's almost like Hillary Clinton being convicted of something. I mean, they're still <laughs> so right. astronomical. It's idiotic. You know, you yeah. know Jim Roop, what I heard once somebody said, if you took uh, Dodger Stadium and you filled it up with baseballs, and I mean every square inch, the outfield, the infield, all all of the bleachers, the, the boxes, to the brim. And you looked at that and somebody said, one of those baseballs, that's going to get you your lottery win. That's roughly what the odds are. So the bottom line is, it's not going to happen. And people say, oh, yes, why, look, uh, Wilbur down the street won. Somebody's got to win. I see them on TV every day, every week. Doesn't matter. It's not going to happen to you. 
<laughs> it is more likely you get hit by an asteroid. So now that I'm being a Debbie Downer on this, <laughs> Thanks, let Royal. me ask you the follow-up question. Why the hell do people disrupt their lives and stand in the rain or in the intense heat, line up for hours to buy a ticket to win $500 million or $400 million or $200 million? And yet... They don't give a darn if it's at five million or ten million. Because, you know, let's be real, folks. It doesn't matter whether you win a hundred million or ten million. It's exactly the same. You're totally whoopee, you know, take this job and shove it. Your life is totally transformed. So why do people react differently when it's a hundred million? Uh Dr. Freud, Jim Roop, do you have an explanation? <laughs> it's just the fever of it, man. It's just the fever. Well, I get the 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 dream. I, I I'm not saying it's dopey to buy lottery tickets. I bought lottery tickets, but what you're doing is buying a little daydream. You're saying, gosh, wouldn't this be fun? What would I do with this money, with the five million or ten million? But to behave differently and, you know, screw up your life and, and spend six hours. I mean, we've seen pictures of people standing in the snow, yeah. snaked around the, the block because, oh, my God, it's up to 200 million, Gwendolyn. I'm going down and, and throw away my whole day. Gwendolyn. What's wrong with people? <laughs> there are people that, too, that have two arguments on that. Number one, if it gets up to a lot. Now, if, you're, if your odds of winning that is 529 million to one, well, the, if more people play... You get. It seems that some people believe that. Well, now if there's 529 million people buying, well, now I have that chance. But then again, the more people that buy, some people say that decreases your chance of winning. So there's arguments on both sides. There's the fever that gets around it. There's the publicity that gets around it. It's the fun that the media has with it. You know, outside the Bluebird Cafe or Bluebird Liquor Store in, in Hawthorne or wherever that is. It's 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 that thing that people get swept up in. And then the dream that I'll you know I'll save the world. With my five hundred million dollars, I guess. But you know, I gotta say, Jim, I think you're you're overthinking this. You know, you're like Stephen Hawking. You know, well, what would the odds be? You know, the change. You're not going to win, okay? I went from Freud to Hawking today. What? Yeah. yeah well, I, I, you're a very impressive guy. <laughs> All right, Jim Roop, thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck uh, the rest of the lottery way. Thank you. But you're not going to win. 5.55 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Stay with us. 6.14 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this Wednesday morning. We're going to shift gears now and be joined by John Zogby. He's CEO of Zogby Analytics and author of We Are Many, We Are One, Neo-Tribes and Tribal Analytics in 21st Century America. John, how are you today? Good morning, Royal. Hi, how are you? Doing great, thanks. Interested in uh, your take uh, on uh, on this situation with Hillary Clinton. Uh, I guess one big question people are wondering about is uh, what what will the public uh, do by way of reaction? Uh, did James Comey's uh, announcement yesterday change minds? Uh, what's your initial take? I don't think it changed minds. I think it reinforced minds, though. And I, I don't think that the issue was really in the public's mind for the most part ever really about illegality it's more about you know playing by the rules especially in a year where uh we know that bernie sanders folks donald trump's folks are extremely angry feel betrayed and feel like hey we got to play by the rules and look what happens to us on the other hand here are people who do not play by the rules and they just walk away scot-free. Now, ironically, Donald Trump brags about uh, playing by the rules and, and, um, and to his advantage, but there's always something about Hillary Clinton that 
that stinks, that makes you doubt her. And ultimately, I think what happened was that the FBI did the right thing, I think, probably on the issue of legality, but on the issue of being careless, uh, not necessarily being very competent, which is, uh, you know, her, her major argument, they handed the GOP a huge gift. This is not going to go away. Do you think that the voters are going to react by this by saying, uh, well, okay, no formal charges, uh, but you know, the, the evidence was overwhelming, that, that she was reckless, uh, that she may have lied. Do you think in the long run that uh, Comey's announcement yesterday is going to hurt Hillary Clinton with the, in terms of uh, the, the demographics that you look at? Oh, I do. I, uh, first of all, you know, uh, uh, millennials do not like her. She needs millennials. Um, uh, they, they are looking for authenticity. Um, and she and her husband almost define inauthenticity, or at least old elite establishment politics. The other thing is it's hard for her to get on message um, because she's going to say, I'm the most experienced. Well, if you were so experienced, why did you not follow the rules? Why did you do this? Why were you careless with um, top secret or, or highly classified uh, uh, documents? It's going to be very, very hard for her to find the message, as it really has been all year. Um, yes, she's won an awful lot of votes, but there's always that taint. And here we are in the general election, 60% of voters still not trusting her. Um, hard to get trust back once you've lost it, but uh, this does not help her win trust. We're talking with John Zogby, CEO of Zogby Analytics. So you talk about her making the pitch that she's experienced. I wonder in this year of sort of the anti-establishment attitude, I wonder if that even matters or, or might even be a negative for her. It might be a negative. I think it always has been a negative, but it is her claim to fame. When you parse her candidacy, what uh, what's the compelling reason uh, that she's running for president? Uh, she has experience. Not so hot this year, uh, and and add carelessness to that too. Quoting the FBI, um, uh, it's her turn. Well, you know, I'm not saying so, it was Jeb Bush's turn too. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a, a, a strong argument. And then finally, uh, she carries the banner for women. Well, I'll tell you, millennial women do not feel that way at all. They like a woman president, absolutely, but. They tell me, they tell us, they want the right woman. They don't think she's it. You know, Donald Trump is such a bizarre uh, figure, just unique mm. in, in American politics. I, I want your take on the on this issue about what they used to call the Bradley effect. Uh, you know, yeah. we had uh, a black mayor in Los Angeles, Tom Bradley, yeah. years ago, ran against a, a white Republican attorney general for governor. And everybody said Bradley's going to win. The poll said he's going to win. He's going to win. He loses. And the political scientists and the pollsters dig in and say, guess what? Folks said to the pollster, I'm going to vote for that black man because they didn't want the pollster to think they were racist. And instead, they voted for the white Republican. And so this Bradley effect has been studied. I wonder if a lot of people who are asked, are you going to vote for Donald Trump? They said, no, Donald Trump, no way. And when they get into the secrecy of the ballot box booth, they're going to do it. Do you think that that's a likely outcome this year? To be honest with you, the, the Bradley effect was... I think put to rest permanently in 2008 because we were watching that very closely with with Barack Obama and that the effect 
sort of well, it may not have happened in 2008, but I don't think that that causes it to be debunked and, oh, there's no such thing as the concept of uh, a person lying to a pollster because they're embarrassed about what they might say. I'm not going to deny that people lie, lie to pollsters. I can't do that. On the flip side of that, though, I think what we're hearing more than anything is those who are proud to vote for Donald Trump or those who are saying, geez, I honestly, seriously don't like either of them, and I really don't know what I'm going to do. And I think that, that's, that both of those are probably genuine. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, my sense of it is that Donald Trump is seen as such a, a troglodytic you know, knuckle-dragger. All we hear is the people who like Donald Trump are the ones who basically don't have any education. The people who like Donald Trump are the ones that don't have any money. So if you're poor and you're stupid, you're a Donald Trump voter. Now, what we were seeing in the stories just this week, you probably saw, John, uh, a guy gets kicked out of a restaurant in, in, in Long Island because he's wearing a Trump hat. A kid orders a, a Donald Trump t-shirt, and when he gets it in the mail, there's an FU note inside the package. I mean, I think that it's hard in, in this culture, in this atmosphere where the, the mainstream media is, is driving public opinion, I think it's hard to come out publicly and be a, a Donald Trump supporter. So that makes me think perhaps there's some secret voters out there. There probably are, uh, and there, I think that there are voters out there who, in the final analysis, are also going to say, gee, I really just can't vote for her. So, obviously, like everybody else, you know, we're going to watch the lesser of two eels, but as people keep telling me, I don't know which one that is, and, uh, uh, which is a very sad statement about Hillary Clinton at this stage of the campaign. And then there are going to be those who vote for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein and still others who just simply are not going to vote. This one is unpredictable. It should be a slam dunk Democratic walk into the White House this year against Donald Trump, and that's not materializing yet. Look at Hillary's numbers right now. 42 to 39, 43 to 38. She hasn't put this away, uh, and why is the best-known character with the most experience, 100% name recognition, polling in the low 40s at this stage of the game against you used the term troglodyte, so let's go with that one. We're talking with John Zogby of uh, Zogby Analytics. Well, John, what about the third-party angle? I, I've heard some pollsters say when you fold into the mix the Green Party and the Libertarian Party, it's essentially a dead heat. It, it kind of causes Hillary's lead, whether it's five points or eight points or whatever, to disappear because apparently most of, of the third-party folks uh, are being siphoned away from Hillary. Do you agree with that? I do. That's our latest Zogby poll as of just a few days ago. She's leading 43 to 40, uh, 43 to 39. It becomes 39, 37 to Gary Johnson's eight and Jill Stein's five, uh, eight and five, 13. Those numbers may just hold, you know, is there any uh, way eight five? Is there any way Trump can somehow make a comeback with respect to groups like Latin voters that he appears to have deeply insulted? Uh, I mean, is, you think that uh, there's anything he can do in the next four months to sort of overcome some of the really provocative, inflammatory stuff he said? No, I, I really don't. Because just like this carelessness uh, uh, word um, and incompetent is going to be uh, tarring and feathering Hillary between now and the election. Uh, those uh, statements by Donald Trump about 
Muslims and about Latinos and about women are going to ride and ride and ride and ride till the election. And and uh, I think you're just looking at a competitive election with a lot of undecided voters. I gave you my theory. Right into the BN. Hmm? I gave you my theory about you know the, the secret uh, Trump supporters. What do you think about on the flip side uh, the possibility that there are a lot of women out there? who may not be willing to admit it, but they secretly think it is such an incredibly wonderful thing to finally, after 240 years, we are going to get a woman in the White House. Do you think that there's kind of a secret Hillary vote out there that maybe isn't uh, popping up in the polls that's going to help propel her to victory? Probably among women 240 years old and older. uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, Let's just say older women. You know, yes, I do. There are those who will hold their nose and vote, those who are not already the bandwagon. But young women tell us, they told us this in 2008, and they told us, uh, they've been telling us this all year, that is now millennial women and younger Generation X women. Hey, uh, we've got women. Uh, my mayor is a woman. My college president's a woman. My boss is a woman. This and that. These are all women, obviously we're more than ready for a woman president. I'm just not sure about this one. John Zogby, CEO of Zogby Analytics. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. We'll be in touch. Good to talk to you. Take care. Thank you. 625 The Time. Talk Radio 790K ABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Let's check the traffic with Bill Thomas. Bill, how are things looking? I wonder how that lady feels today, though, after hearing all that stuff come out from James Comey yesterday. 741 The Time, Talk Radio 790K, ABC, Royal Oaks, in for Doug McIntyre this um, Wednesday morning. Now get more news on your commute home. Here are the NBC4 6 o'clock news with Chuck Henry and Carolyn Johnson live on 790K, ABC Radio, followed by Peter Tilden's Top 6 at 6-ish at 6.30. That's the NBC4 News at 6 live and the Top 6 at 6-ish right after Jillian and John on your drive home on 790K ABC. So it's all Hillary all the time here, and we are delighted to be joined by Rick Grinnell, former spokesman for the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. Rick, how are you today? Hey, Royal. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I have to tell you, I really appreciate uh, seeing you on TV. As a matter of fact, to pay you a little compliment, I got a, I got a little TV in my office, and, and it's always on. Uh, it's generally on the Fox, I'll have to confess. Uh, but the sound is off. And it's something, you know, really interesting, important comes uh, along, I'll, I'll put up the sound. Uh, I put up the sound for Charles Krauthammer and for Rick Grinnell. Th- those oh, those are so my, nice. those are my two unmutes. Yeah. No, I mean, you do a fantastic job, and you're always so clear, concise. You go right to the heart of it. I'm not surprising you were a spokesman for the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. So I know you're all over the story. Uh, what, is your, uh, what is your take? Were you uh, kind of surprised like uh, most of, of the planet uh, term comes to the curve that James Comey threw everybody after the long uh, laundry list of offenses? Yeah, I was surprised. Actually, in looking at all of the evidence even before uh, the FBI director came out, I thought it was quite clear. Uh, you know, all of the leaked emails had shown that Hillary Clinton had clearly uh, sent and received uh, classified and top secret information that's, that's against the rules, it's against the law. Um, whether or not she intended to do it, 
I think is is a separate issue. Uh, I think that um, that clearly what she intended to do was to hide her uh, emails and information, and she prioritized her secrecy above national security. That that's just a, a fact. She didn't take a state.gov email address. She took a, uh, an entire private server home and tried to protect all of her information. What we saw from the FBI director yesterday is he indicted her credibility. He indicted her honesty and her truthfulness. And uh, he laid out a case that she did indeed send and receive 110 uh, email chains with her staff that had classified information at the time. And her excuse of, of well, I never did it, uh, I think the FBI director laid out the case that, that she was wrong. And in several other instances, he laid out a, a compelling case that um, she was reckless handling national security information. So when he then came to the conclusion that <clears throat> I, I'm just not going to recommend an indictment because of intent, which is really what he focused on. I think a lot of people were surprised. Yeah, especially since the statute specifically says you don't have to have intent. It just has to be gross negligence. I think that was really the shocker for most people. Yeah, and and so I think really, Royal, what we saw is that uh, because Hillary Clinton is a Democratic nominee, uh, that, that the FBI director was unwilling to climb that political hill. <clears throat> it was clear to me that that her stature as a as a senior political figure, um, they didn't want to go after the, the 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 target, so to speak, of of what the Democrats are hoping is their their next president. No, I think you're right. We're talking with Rick Grinnell, but you know, were you surprised that I mean, we, we had big breaking news here recently this morning. Comey's going to testify tomorrow before a congressional committee. Does that surprise you that he'd go that extra mile? No, I think that he has to because there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uh, political types that are, are saying, wait a minute, your, your evidence is clear and there should have been an indictment. And so I think what is going to happen tomorrow when he goes to Congress, he's going to get grilled on, on why he was able to lay out a clear case of violation but not rise to the level of indicting her. I will say one thing, Royal, which is really important. There's a long list of State Department officials who have had uh, who have been prosecuted and had their security clearances taken away completely for doing less than what Hillary Clinton did. So there's one note here that, that Comey said, which, which is there are administrative and security uh, punishments that will follow, and yet that's not his jurisdiction. It's the jurisdiction of the State Department. Rick, I'm so I'm hoping that, that they will take away her security clearance. Rick, I'm really curious during this hearing tomorrow, I wonder if you can speculate with me that perhaps one of the questions might be to Comey, hey, a couple months ago when the president came out and spoke about this, he said something to the effect that there was no national security at risk, uh, Hillary didn't do anything to, uh, to threaten her security and, and classified information. Well, apparently James Comey definitely contradicted Hillary and most certainly contradicted the president's statement. Would a fair question to, to Comey be, were you influenced by the president making that statement months ago? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a very good point because we've seen the political, um, the Democrats on the, politi the, the political Democrats, the partisan Democrats, really rush to uh, make this whole 
problem, just a political problem, not a national security problem. And I think not only uh, the president's remarks uh, from a couple of months ago, but Hillary Clinton climbed on board a president's plane yesterday before the announcement. There's no way that would have happened unless the president was tipped off that she was going to be okay. He's not going to be seen with somebody who's about to be indicted by his FBI director. And then I think you also got to back up to last Monday, a week ago Monday, when we saw, um, you know, Bill Clinton climb on board a plane with Loretta Lynch. Uh, That happened on a Monday. It leaked out because of local reporters on Tuesday. And, you know, you had a big collective yawn from most of the, the mainstream media, the New York Times, didn't even cover the story until Friday night with an <laughs> online version of an AP story. Wow. So th- there's really been a, a direct effort by Democrats, liberals, and their friends in the media to, to cover up for Hillary Clinton to make this a political story, not a national security uh, story. And it truly is a, a, a story where the Democratic nominee did not protect national security. She prioritized her secrecy, her own personal uh, secrets above national security, and that's very troubling. Rick Grinnell, former spokesman for the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. 740 at the time, Talk Radio 790K ABC, Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. And Bill Thomas is with us on traffic. It's McIntyre in the morning with Doug McIntyre and Terry Ray Elmer. No, find the time on a Wednesday morning. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this week. Hope you are having a fabulous day. You can get more news on your commute home. Hear the NBC4 6 o'clock news with Chuck Henry and Carolyn Johnson live on 790 KABC Radio, followed by Peter Tilden's Top 6 at 6-ish at 6.30. That's the NBC4 News at 6 Live. And the Top 6 at 6-ish right after Jillian and John on your drive home on 790 KABC. We've been talking all morning about the big story, uh, the announcement by FBI Director James Comey. He will not be recommending prosecution of Hillary Clinton. And a lot of people go over the details and and are just kind of scratching their heads uh, of the 30,000 emails that the secretary turned over to the State Department in late 2014, which, of course, had been prompted by Judicial Watch with a Freedom of Information Act request and a, a bunch of lawsuits. Uh, the director announced that 110 emails in 52 separate chains had been determined to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received, contradicting Clinton's claim that she neither sent nor received information that was deemed classified at the time. So a lot of people are scratching their heads saying, we don't quite get it. The evidence seems pretty plain that Secretary Clinton lied under oath when she testified to Congress, that she jeopardized national security, that the statute doesn't require an intentional act. So, yeah, what are we missing? Well, to help us sort this out and figure out what we might be missing, Congressman Daryl Issa serving California's 49th district. Congressman, welcome to KBC. How are you? Hello, Congressman. Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you now. How are you today? Uh, You nailed it. Uh, The statute is very clear. Uh, People can look it up online, 18 U.S.C. 793, paragraph F. The mishandling, this reckless mishandling, is a separate crime. 
And, uh, you know, if you look for uh, espionage and giving it to the enemy, like the Russians who probably got it, you know, you could say, well, she didn't think they would get it. They didn't think they were going to hack her computer. But she did plan, execute, send and receive classified information, including a hundred or so that said secret and top secret on them. And then she left, left government and retained those documents to the exclusion of government until they were not only subpoenaed, but subpoenaed multiple times. And then she destroyed many of those uh, documents, claiming that they, they were not germane, they were her yoga. But, of course, that happens to be something else that lawyers understand, is when you get an order to preserve documents, it's not to preserve documents that you think are relevant, it's to preserve any potentially relevant document. We were, everyone, the American people, were denied that. And the only good news, if, if there is one, is there's so much criminality in what we did see that we don't necessarily need to see what we didn't see to know that she committed crimes which regular soldiers, sailors, Marines, uh, government employees, and contractors go to jail for doing. Congressman, go ahead, Rob. Uh, yeah, Congressman, what do you say to people who have hearing fatigue? Yourself, uh, Trey Gowdy. Uh, others have held hearings, and uh, whether it's Benghazi or the IRS or whatever, and nothing ever happens as a result. Nobody suffers any negative consequences. And now we're going to have another hearing tomorrow, and the FBI director has, uh, has accepted the invitation to talk to you guys. What do you say to people that have hearing fatigue because nothing comes uh, about as a result of these hearings? Well, Director Cuomo's coming in, I think, to try to get his reputation back, and I'm, I'm reasonably sure he'll have a hard time doing it. Um, that this has really damaged his reputation. Um, the reality is that he could have he could have said, "I'm referring this to justice. I see a crime. Uh, it's up to them to decide whether or not they can make the case and get a conviction." Uh, particularly with the level of jury nullification that might occur, uh, because there are people that are still going to vote for Hillary Clinton, knowing she committed these crimes. Uh, had he done that, we'd be having a different discussion tomorrow. But back to your que- your question, I share that frustration that Congress is somewhat impotent under the Constitution. We have very few tools to force the uh, judiciary, or sorry, to for- force the Justice Department or the President to do anything they don't want to do, even if their their actions are illegal or unconstitutional. So. There are two things we need to do. One, maybe create tools that would be more effective, like the ability to get to the court and get uh, an expedited review so that we wouldn't be four years uh, after Fast and Furious began as an active uh, investigation, almost six years since Brian Terry died, uh, and still not have all the evidence. That There's no question that we could provide those tools. But the most powerful tool is the tool of the ballot box. Congress and the Judicial Watch and other groups have made people aware of the wrongdoing. Now the question is, will you go to the ballot box and hold Hillary Clinton accountable uh, the way you held, to a certain extent, uh, Barack Obama? I mean, he had a, a large minority or a large majority in the House and Senate when he came to office, and he lost it because the American people needed to bring balance the question for the next election. 
We're talking with Congressman Darrell Issa about uh, the Hillary Clinton situation. Congressman, there's an old saying, let justice prevail, though the heavens may fall. Do you think that what happened was that uh, Director Comey just couldn't bring himself to follow that maxim? I think you're exactly right, and you're saying it very well. The reality is that uh, uh, he looked at consequences, looked at likelihood of conviction, looked at a bunch of other things to make this, uh, I think, awful decision. When, uh, when you say that he's going to try to get his reputation back when he testifies tomorrow, and to me this is going to be fascinating to see how, how that unfolds, what kind, of, uh, what kind of dynamic do you expect? Uh, do, you, do you expect him to basically just rehash what he said yesterday? And if so, I, I wonder why he would go along with testifying. Or, or do you think he really had no choice, that uh, legally, that if, if the Congress uh, wants him to uh, stand and deliver, that, that he's uh, got to respond to their questions? Well, he, uh, he serves uh, a 10-year uh, fixed uh, term with no renewal. Uh, he was going to have to come before Congress again. Uh, he has an important job to do. Uh, we trust the FBI in so many areas, uh, including, obviously, counterterrorism. Uh, and, you know, I, look, I'm deeply disappointed. I'm disappointed because I think he made the case for her criminal misconduct very well and then somehow said, but we can't bring charges. And, you know, there, there's an old expression that, uh, you know, uh, there's guilty, there's innocent, and there's not guilty. Uh, he sort of is saying that she's guilty. He certainly is not saying she's not guilty. Um, and he's certainly not saying she's innocent. Uh, and so we, ha- we now have a situation where she's guilty, but untried. And, uh, you know, uh, in my investigations over the years, we, we found ourselves with, if you will, unindicted co-conspirators, uh, people that we knew, for example, with Lois Lerner in, in going after conservative groups at uh, the IRS. Uh, Lois Lerner is the name you know. There were plenty of people that never rose to your awareness that were very, very much her, her partners, including a couple of the commissioners um, that knew what she was doing and, and obviously let her do it. It seems as if you're you're fighting an uphill battle, Congressman Issa, because it seems the mainstream media really is such a powerful force in terms of of really manipulating public opinion. And one example was the when the congressional report came out recently. I mean, it, it was all about the headlines, whether you look to the New York Times or, you know, you turn on CNN or whatever. It's, oh, nothing, nothing new about Hillary Clinton. When, in fact, if you read the actual report, it, it was an incredibly detailed and thorough uh, outline of basically the case that, that uh, Director Comey laid out before. It's got to be frustrating for someone like you in your position. To, I mean, don't you feel like you're kind of beating your head against the wall when uh, you, you, you make progress, uh, and then it's out there for the public to to or make a decision about, but it goes through this filter, this prism of the media uh, that seems to want to say, oh, there's nothing to see here, folks. Return to your homes. Well, is it frustrating? Yes. Uh, has it been frustrating for 240 years as of a couple days ago? Yeah, it has. Uh, is it important that we keep up this battle for openness and transparency? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and we, sometimes we make progress, and it's, it's incredibly glacial. 
Uh, a few days ago, the president signed a bill that expanded the Freedom of Information Act. Now, he didn't sign it because he likes it. He has avoided it. He has fought it. This administration wants nothing uh, to do with transparency. They hate the term Judicial Watch almost as much as they hate the word Citizens United. But he signed it because Republicans and Democrats, because conservatives and some of the extreme liberal groups, including the ACLU, uh, were pushing for more transparency, different reasons, different politics. Uh, but we're going to keep working on it. Uh, would I like to see a, a law that would allow Congress, when they believe that an agency is not doing its job or something like Fast and Furious, to get to a federal judge and get three-day or ten-day uh, answers to, for example, should you have to deliver the, this information in our investigation? Yes. And will I keep fighting for it? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I would love to have a Republican administration so I could go back to fighting Republicans who are not uh, providing transparency because some of that is important, too. We're talking with Congressman Darrell Issa. Let's uh, listen to a few seconds of one of your colleagues uh, weighing in on the Hillary Clinton situation, Paul Ryan. It seemed to me as he was going through his case that he was going to recommend prosecution. Only then he recommended against prosecution. People have been convicted for far less. And the, the point is, yes, this certainly does underscore the belief that the Clintons live above the law. We're going to have hearings. Jason Chaffetz, chairman of the Government Oversight Committee, is going to be calling up James Comey to ask questions. He didn't answer any questions uh, with the press. Um, and our Judiciary Committee has sent a number of questions. There are a lot of unanswered questions here. So do you expect the Republicans are, are going to get together and uh, maybe be more unified? I know there's been a lot, a lot of talk about the schism with Donald Trump and so on. Do you think this uh, is going to be kind of a rallying cry, this decision uh, by Director Comey not to recommend uh, prosecution? This decision should cause the American people, the voters, to ask, you know, is there going to be justice if Hillary Clinton becomes president? And I hope they'll answer that she can't be trusted, uh, even though she's unindicted. Uh, for us in Congress, our job is to do oversight and to pass or change laws. Uh, do I think we need to pass or change a law in this case that would make it much clearer that a, there should be a presentation of this criminal activity to a grand jury? Yes. Uh, but you don't always get what you want which in, in, a, in a democracy, but you get an opportunity to make it better. And if you don't quit, and we're not quitting, and Jason Chaffetz and Trey Gowdy and all of us can't quit, uh, you keep fighting for a more perfect union. Uh, I think yesterday was not a good example of a more perfect union working, uh, but I do think that uh, you know, we're, not, we're not done fighting. But the American people aren't done speaking either. We, uh, we heard, of course, a lot from James Comey at his uh, press conference uh, yesterday. I want to I play part of it before you and, uh, get your reaction. Looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. This is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To the contrary, those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now. 
I feel like I need some kind of translator. I'm asking myself, what is he saying? On the one hand, the statute is clear. You don't require intent. All you need is negligence or gross negligence, mishandling of, of, you know, not just classified, but she had all this top secret stuff. What he's saying, Congressman, it seems, is, well, okay, the statute says that, but, you know, we've looked, and uh, the track record, the precedents, the other prosecutions, we wouldn't do it unless somebody was, you know, Mata Hari, some kind of espionage motivation or some gigantic volume of activity, which there seemed to be. Uh, is there an answer to what he's saying, though, in the sense that can people go through the, 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 the record books and determine that, well, yeah, actually, Mr. Director, there were prosecutions uh, on facts basically similar to this situation. In other words, a negligent statute was enforced as such uh, without requiring intent. We will find negligent statute without intent. Uh, and, and some of them, I'll give you an example. There's a sailor facing six years of prison right now. He took a picture of something he shouldn't have taken with his iPhone. I think it was an iPhone. And uh, then when the iPhone was discarded, he, like an idiot, left the picture on it. The picture was discovered, traced back to him, and now under the statute for this careless, reckless behavior, uh, he's facing uh, six years in prison. Ordinary seaman, uh, not the secre- not a lawyer, not a former senator, not a former secretary, not a very powerful person. So, sure, there's plenty of examples. Uh, you know, can I can I say with certainty that if we had sent her to trial, her trial would not have occurred until long after this election? Yes. So, really. What we have, Royal, is the voters can decide that Cuomo was part of a huge mistake, and and he did say she's guilty of sin, just not indicted, and they can take the same retribution they would take if she was facing a trial sometime uh, 18 months, two years from now. Congressman, one question, and and since uh, Director Comey didn't answer any questions from reporters, I've got one, and I would love uh, you or somebody in the committee to, to, to ask him this. He started out the news conference in his statements with a statement, essentially, that nobody knows what I'm about to say. And then you had President Obama meeting with Hillary and getting on Air Force One. And it, it's hard to believe that somebody is facing a possible indictment that President Obama would take Air Force One to North Carolina and be ready to campaign unless they got tipped off by the director or somebody else that uh, Hillary would not face any charges, the director would not recommend an indictment, and it would be nice to find out uh, if Comey was, quite frankly, telling the truth about not uh, tipping off anybody to his findings. Well, he will be under oath today, so uh, there will be an opportunity to to get him on the record. Uh, I suspect he he doesn't want to be taking a chance on perjury, so my hope is that... uh, uh, that he will, if he repeats it, it'll be truthful. Uh, and if he modifies it, we'll all get an opportunity to see that. To the extent one goal is to uh, win over the hearts and minds of the American voters, do, do you uh, second-guess anything that the Republicans in Congress have done? I, I know there, there was criticism of the, the member who, uh, who said, well, you know, the one good thing of, from all this congressional activity is that we're undermining Hillary Clinton's uh, poll results, uh, resorts and results. And as a result, the Democrats were able to exploit that and say, well, clearly it was just a, a, a witch hunt. If you had to do it all over, would you take any different approach to the whole investigation? Well, first of all, uh, you know, in the case of the Benghazi uh, 
you know, work and the, and the statement that was unfortunately made. It, was, it wasn't made by anyone who had been in any way involved in the uh, investigation. Uh, and I think the, the importance of that is that those who were close knew that uh, both my investigation and then Trey Gowdy's investigation of Benghazi was on behalf of the, the four brave men who lost their lives and an effort to really make sure it didn't happen again. Uh, having said that, uh, yes, there are plenty of things that uh, you learn uh, from your, your mistakes. Uh, you know, I always tell people I had 2,000 success stories and a couple of failures. A couple of the failures uh, you make, uh, you realize that, uh, you know, if I had to do it over again, I'd have done more sooner in the case of Fast and Furious. Uh, is, even though we held Eric Holder in contempt, uh, you know, we now know that she was, he was part of an obstruction of justice. We have the evidence. Uh, I should have gotten to that sooner. In the case of Hillary Clinton, I always made Benghazi not about Hillary Clinton, and that turned out to be a mistake because... In fact, she was much more involved, even though she wasn't the one that sent Susan Rice uh, up there to, uh, to speak on all five Sunday channels. Uh, and that, that turned out to be a mistake, is giving her the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't her, her hands uh, handling this. It turned out a lot of it was. All right, Congressman Darrell Issa, thank you so much for being so generous with your time on this uh, really important story. Uh, appreciate it, and you have a great day. Okay, thank you. Thanks. 924 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC. Let's check in on the Bill Thomas and traffic.